Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at ArmorAll.com. ArmorAll, less work, more clean. Terms apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thank you for listening to the late-breaking F1 podcast. Make sure to look out for new episodes every Thursday and Grand Prix Sundays. Hello and a very warm welcome to the late-breaking F1 podcast. We are well within livery season now. McLaren have become the first team to reveal their livery. We've got both of the Alpha teams coming up just around the corner. F1 is coming back. Better believe it. My name is Ben Hocking, Sam Sage and Harry Eid, of course, are joining me. How's it going, guys? There's light at the end of the tunnel. There is. Um, one day, Ben, I reckon you're going to kick off these podcasts and not give someone a warm welcome, but you might give them a, a tepid welcome or a, a cold <laughs> welcome. Because it's always warm, isn't it? It's always warm. I'm a warm guy. What if it's like? <laughs> what if it was like a really hot welcome? Oh, like... I'm going to give you a scolding welcome. <laughs> <laughs> well... Thank you. You've now given the the listeners reason to tune in next time because they don't know what I'm going to open with. What word will it be? What are we talking about today, Ben? What are we talking about? Well, that. That's it. Um, I've actually got a few other things noted. (laughs) Cheers. Um, I've got a few other things noted down. Um, Probably the biggest news since our last podcast is that Red Bull will be using Honda deals. It's been uh, a Honda engine. It's it's been confirmed until 2025 (laughs) that they will essentially take the IP from Honda to use those. And then from 2025, Red Bull powertrains, they will make their own engines. So we're going to be discussing that and we'll be looking at the US market. Las Vegas and Indianapolis have been noted by Domenicali as potential destinations for a second race in the US. Um, Can they break through in the market? This is something they've been trying to do for a long, long time. And we'll be discussing whether Ricardo is a big step up from Carlos Sainz as a teammate to Lando Norris. That's after something. He he is taller. (laughs) We're not only going to be discussing height, or at least I don't think. Is that because he's always stood on a step? Possibly. Oh, he needs a step up to get into the car, doesn't he? The shocking truth later in this episode. Um, and we've also <laughs> got we've also got a brand new game as well, because we didn't have enough of them as it was. F1 on the clock. 
you'll have to wait and see what that's all about. But first of all, we will kick off with the Red Bull news. So yeah, they'll be using Honda engines until 2025 when the new regs come in. And at that point, they'll be making their own engines thanks to Red Bull Powertrains, their newly created company. So Sam, this plus the engine freeze that's going to happen over the next couple of years, what's your response to this? I I was pretty shocked, actually. And I don't know why I was shocked. It's just Red Bull could have done literally anything, I suppose. Every option was as wild and west as it could possibly be um that is a saying folks look it up in the dictionary of sam um they, they could have become red bull ferrari they could, could have become red bull porsche they could have become red bull ford or toyota or any other racing team in the world that makes their own engines but they just went well i'm under again thanks um, which is sensible. It makes sense. They've got experience in the sport. They've regularly fitted the engines, obviously, for their previous cars. Um, and Honda have done a good job working with Red Bull to bring that engine up to speed. It was not too far off the pace of the top guys uh, at the end of the 2020 season. So it does make sense to take, keep them on board. What's interesting is I'm sure they won't have the Honda support after, obviously, this season. They're going to have to do it all themselves. And that's really interesting because... Ben, you'll have to tell me if I'm wrong. Probably am. It's me. But there is a small chance in my mind that this could be the first ever non-constructor to make their own engines, technically, after a certain time period. Um, and that's what they're doing, isn't it? They are, after a period of 2025, I think they're going to bring it on and make their own engines. So Red Bull, the energy drink supplier, the, the company that have those silly adverts that are all cartoons where wings come out your back when you have a drink, are going to make Formula One engines next to mercedes and renault and ferrari and that's all we've got at the moment yep good so (laughs) you know i'm pretty surprised that to me is pretty shocking and i you know balls to the wall go on red bull i'm I'm impressed it's gutsy it's ambitious it's going to cost a lot of money but it could really expand their motorsport ventures and i think it's great to see them giving it a go i'd like to see someone like mclaren give it a go maybe that's what gets them back on top so they could have gone anywhere They've, they've stuck with their guns and they're going to take it on themselves. And I kind of love that. And I'm really excited to see where it goes. So, yeah, let, let, bring it on. What are your thoughts on this, Harry? Um, yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting time for the team. I mean, I concur with Sam on the on the bold uh, or balls to the wall. That's a great saying. Should be said more often. Um, yeah, it, absolutely bold from, from Red Bull. This is not, not the cheapest option for them. You know, one of them could have, could have been pulling out the sport, um, or you know, being a, a customer team again. Um, yeah, so fair play to them. They obviously think they can make it work. I think I read that Honda are working flat out on their 2022 engine, so theoretically, next year they should have an engine that's you know, basically a Honda. I know it will be a Honda's anyway, but a ready made Honda engine ready to go in next year's car, and then after that, they're, they're kind of on their own. Um, but yeah. Absolutely fair play, and I, and I and I hope it works out, and you know we get Red Bull at the front regularly, uh, you know, which with would it's the tra- trajectory they're currently on with Honda, and I hope they can continue it. Um, yeah, uh, and to be to be we we give Red Bull a lot of stick and fairly because they treat their drivers like rubbish sometimes, but they do a lot for the sport, and if they had taken the cheaper option. One of the cheaper options, which was to leave, they're taking AlphaTauri with them, and we'd be down to eight teams. So you've got to respect them for for actually staying and and you know what they do for F1 in that in that sense. So um yeah, I'm glad it's worked out. I'm glad that 
the F1 teams could come to an agreement on the whole engine freeze. Um, yeah. I hope they call them Red Bull Mugans or Super Techs, because otherwise it's a wasted opportunity. Yes, this is this is true. Um, and yeah, like you say, we, we have avoided a situation where we've gone down to eight teams, although I have heard that there is a new team on the horizon, this uh, Rich Energy Racing team. Um, <laughs> oh, God. Sounds like an interesting venture. We'll have to see how it turns out. Mr. William Story uh, leading that one. So. He likes to he tell a story, like a doesn't he? sounds like top fellow. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's the only mention you're getting tonight, Mr. Story. Um, moving on. <laughs> so to use another phrase involving walls, um, they were very much Red Bull backs against the wall. They found themselves in a really difficult situation with what Honda, with what's happened with Honda. See, they they leave the Renault deal. They get this Honda deal. I think was a brilliant move from them. And I think we can all agree that the Honda leaving thing, even though it's something they've done three or four times before, I still think it was fairly left field. It was it was unexpected. Um, and it left them in a real quandary as to what they need to do. Because yes, we are long enough away from 2025 that they could have got something sorted out and have got something sorted out. But at least in the short term, looking at 2022 to 2024, Red Bull were in a really difficult situation. And I think it is miraculous how they've managed to turn a situation where they were definitely up against it to a situation where I actually think they benefit more than any other team on the grid. I'm not quite sure how they've pulled it off, but I really think they have. First of all, they've got they've secured the Honda edges. So that's that's the first step. And they haven't had to go back to Renault. I, I think realistically, I, I think realistically they had four options going into this year they had option one which was the honda option that they've chosen which for my money is absolutely the best choice go back to renault where the relationship was absolutely dire go for another team another engine manufacturer to come in really late into this hybrid season which would not have worked well we know how much honda were affected by just losing out by two years and then the fourth option was to leave so absolutely the best alter the the best thing has happened here. And not only have they managed to secure what I think is the best deal, that's not even including the fact that all of the engines are going to be frozen at the end of this year and the performance is going to be neutralised. Now, what what happens when engine performance is neutralised? You find yourself in a position where aerodynamics become ever more important. Who's fairly good at aerodynamics? Red Bull. How have they managed to get themselves into this situation? I do not know, but they are playing to their strengths. So fair play to them. I agree with what you say, Harry. They do get stick and rightly so for some of the things that they do. But ultimately, it's an energy drinks company that will be making F1 engines in 2025. There are so many automotive companies all over the world that have not flocked to Formula One for various reasons. And the the company leading the charge, the new entrant for an engine manufacturer in 2025, is an energy drinks company. That does deserve a lot of respect. (laughs) I I really hope they do use the marketing slogan, Red Bulls to the Wall. I would absolutely love to be that. (laughs) We're going all in. Look at us do it. It's classic Red Bulls to the Wall. What happens in 2025 when at the start of the Australian Grand Prix in Melbourne, because of course it will still be there, um, the, one of the Red Bulls sort of like takes off because they've actually put wings in their engine and it's just flying around Australia. What happens then? I mean, New sport. 
<laughs> Flying one. Yeah, for, for me the balls to the wall. Full red balls to the walls. I'm, I'm, I'm going to tweet him. You, you cannot convince me that this is a, a bad idea. This has absolutely got legs. Uh, in terms of the freeze itself, um, it, with all... All, all engine manufacturers will have this season to develop and then from 2022 to 2024 everything is essentially even what are your thoughts on this harry do you think this will be good for good for formula one uh I, I, well it depends what state we're in by the time we get to the end of the year if we're in a state where there's some and i don't i don't see it happening but if there's an engine manufacturer that is light years ahead of everyone else then good god we're in a state of badness going for the next few years but I, I don't think that will happen in terms of cost cutting which you know f1 are trying to do good idea what what this is a good another good step in that in the right direction there um yeah i think it's just as long as we don't get some massive discrepancy between the engine performances um which as i said i don't think will happen then yeah i think it's a it's a solid idea all around let's just keep it even take take out more take out more expense, you know, that teams smaller teams can't afford and they can put elsewhere, then it can only be a good thing in my eyes, I think. Yeah, and obviously this wouldn't be the first time where engine performance has been frozen. We saw this at the end of the V eight era and at least for my money it seemed to work all right. What what are your thoughts, Sam? Do you think that this will be of benefit to F one? I'm really glad you asked the question again because I one didn't listen and yeah, that's... two I expect it. Good. Thank God for that. You're too um, busy tweeting Red Bulls to the wall. That is, yeah. yeah, guys, get over to at L Breaking or something. Give it a he literally has been doing that. Yeah, that's what I've tweeted. To Red Bull, the company that we watch race. Um, so, do I think it's a good idea? Yes, I bloody well do. The amount of times that we see engine power absolutely dominate. The amount of times that all of a sudden Ferrari turn up after a summer break and they've got like... 60 more brake horsepower down a straight is a bit weird. So the fact that engine can no longer be changed, and I feel like this is the closest engine to being for a long time. Renault and Honda really caught up to Mercedes. Ferrari have dropped so far back that they're now pretty bang average. Um, they really threw away their advantage that they had at the wrong time. Um, but I also think it means it puts a lot more focus on the engineers, the aerodynamics, and the brain power behind those departments. But also your driving style. You've really got to maximise where you do get that traction, that, that power down, where you're going to open those possible ERS modes that we can have available. I really do think it becomes important, and I'm really excited to see those results. Bring on the engine freeze, see what happens. It's all going to be about those new downforce supply cars, which, by the way, I think look absolutely stunning. I'm really excited to see what happens if they get brought in next season. Um, I think 2022 could be one of the most exciting Formula 1 seasons we have had for an absolute generation. Yeah, and um, I, I think, like I've already said, I think the freeze definitely benefits the, the likes of Red Bull. Um, I was initially very surprised that this actually went through. Obviously, the teams had this vote on on this uh, about a week ago, and it, it, it passed. Um, and the only way I can I can see that happening, and there have been rumours that this has happened, there's been nothing confirmed, that at the end of 2021, there will be some sort of performance... Um, uh, every, everyone's performance will essentially be set to even um, and it will stay there for the next few years. So where you end up at the end of 2021 isn't necessarily where the engine performance will be for the next few years. Uh, I, first instinct that this is the case is that why on earth would Ferrari accept this without having that in the locker? 
we know that Ferrari have got this veto uh, over any rules that come past their past their office. So you know they, they've they've got that in their locker that they can use that at any time they like. If they if they didn't have this clause in there where the performance was equaled at the end of this year, then they'd be stuck behind everyone for a few years based on how bad the Ferrari power unit was in 2020. So I can only presume that there has been some sort of unofficial agreement at the moment that there w- that will take place. I, I can't I can't see any way Ferrari would have accepted it without that. And the ironic thing is, and I think this is just brilliant, that if there is a team probably Ferrari, where their power unit is down on performance compared to the others and they need to bring it back in line with the others, the way in which they will probably do that is with fuel flow, which is the thing that got them caught out at the end of 2019, which is just brilliant irony. I mean, talk (laughs) about irony if we found ourselves in a situation where Ferrari legally were able to catch up with everyone by using the same thing that gave them the the advantage a few years back. but yeah, I think cost in terms of cost cutting, this will work. Um, and as I sort of referenced before, this has happened prior. This happened at the end of the V8 era, and I, I think it worked well. So I, I'm more than up for trying this. Let's move on uh, to the United States of America. Um, oh. There has been, yeah, we we have to do it. Um, there's been a Formula One race there for quite a while now. They've been in uh, Austin at the Circuit of the Americas for must be about nearly 10 years now. Um, but there has been talk about a second race in the country. There has been talks about Miami for a couple of years now. But on a call the other day, Stefano Domenicali also brought a few other names in, namely Indianapolis, where, of course, Formula One have raced before, and Las Vegas, where F1 have also raced before. So... Um, Sam, I mean, this is perhaps a wider question of the F1 market in America. Can they can they crack it and can they do that with the help of a second race? I mean, America, right? The great states, the great Western land, land of the free, um, has some absolutely brilliant racetracks. Some of the best in the world. We we named them very recently on one of our podcasts. So you know, scroll back, look through, have a have a listen, give us another download. That'd be lovely. Um, and we talked about how many brilliant ones there, there were. Um, ironically, Cota putting up one of the best ones, and the other one mentioned in this conversation about Caesar's Palace, Las Vegas, that area. Bit of a car park. If you want to leave the cars there after Indianapolis or something, driving back down the coast or whatever, sure, love that. Um, but there are some great tracks there, and the Indianapolis, especially if you want to keep it up with the banking, you do the internal track, is brilliant. Of course, we used to race at the Indy. Indy track, a different layout. Um, we used to race there, and that was fantastic. One of my favourite races when we were there. Daytona's there. Um, you know, there's, there's so many brilliant racetracks that either haven't been created that have been suggested or currently get run by NASCAR and IndyCar. America are a nation that love racing. You know, the issue is, America are a nation that love racing in a completely opposite way to the way that the rest of the world love racing. Um, <laughs> and I think... And that isn't a bad thing. You know, we have lots of listeners in America, Sam. So. We do. We Stop do. yourself. And it's not, I, just disclosure, I'm on more on your side, I think, than these two. I love it. America. Um, but America, like myself, are loud. We like to be in your face. We like to talk about things in a brash and entertaining manner. We like to widely generalise loads of people. Yes! (laughs) Come on, America! You and me! Together! 
Um, I'm all for freedom. Um, honestly, America could run its own championship, and it does obviously with two other um, categories of racing, and it does a brilliant job of it. IndyCar is becoming bigger and bigger over here. And at three, we love IndyCar. It's really, really good. And I do think that the sport needs to maybe adjust a little bit if it does want to grow properly in, um, in America. I mean, NASCAR is huge in the southern states. Um, and IndyCar is it's big, but it's nowhere near as big as NASCAR is. Uh, and I think if F1 wants to take over both of those sports properly, it does need to invest a bit more time and energy into its American demographic, its American market. And you look at the people that like NASCAR, you look at the types of people that like IndyCar, and they love it for a certain reason. F1 doesn't match a lot of those reasons. So I think if we are going to grow that market in the American area, you do need to look at those demographics and what appeals to them. Less ad breaks. We've got that on our side. Um, But, you know, we've got the tracks. Let's just maybe adjust a little bit of the entertainment factor. Why not have a bit of fun while we're there? Why not be a bit loud and a bit fun and get the announcers back here and have Paul Tracy the potato talking or something? Um, You know, (laughs) you can have a great time. You can have a great time. And I really think the F1 could be successful. It's successful in 95% of other places. Why not in the States? So, yeah, bring it on. More tracks there. We can do it. What do you reckon, Harry? Do you think a second race in America would, would help the cause here? Yeah, I, I absolutely do. And I, I, like Sam said, America is big enough and has as, uh, you know enough tracks to host its own championship um, as, it, as it already does. So another one... Uh, another race in America would absolutely make sense for F1. I, I mean, I'd love to go back to Indy. I think, you know, it was obviously tarnished by the 05 incident. You know, we're, we're, we've moved on from that. We're 15 years down the road. Um, 16, some would say. Well, 16, really, yeah, very good point. Um, yeah, I, and, you know, I think there's some great racing there. It's it's in the Indy road course is home to one of the best races I've ever seen with Mr. Pagano and IndyCar. So, um yeah, I'd I'd absolutely re- uh, go back there, and you know, there's other great tracks as well. But I think the, probably that's the most realistic one. I don't know. Um, obviously, Miami Street races, etc., uh, maybe may on the cards. But um, yeah, I, I'd be all for going for another race in the US. I think there's. You, I'm so you know, I'm almost so surprised we've not you know F1's not done that already. I know it struggled to break. You know, into the US market, but why has that not been a tactic done done already uh, or more regularly? So, um, yeah, I'd be I'd be absolutely down for it. Let's let's do a whole summer in the US. Let's do the month of May. No, we won't take that away from them. But um, yeah, something like that would be cool. If they if if sports in general, just all of sports, wants to hire us three to go over there and tour the states and bring F one to the world, I am very yeah. much up for it. I think that would work. <laughs> I know it definitely wouldn't. Um, so... They've got that car, haven't they, with the three seats? The one that drives and the two that sit behind. That could be us three. Oh, jeez. I mean... Where's Mario Andretti going to go? <laughs> <laughs> this is true. <laughs> we can bring him along. We can hold on to the wing. Late-breaking and Mario Andretti tour the US. Oh, Honestly, this is this has got legs. This is great. So, back to more slightly more serious things um would a second race in the u.s help in terms of the u.s market f1 have been going to 
the United States since, well, technically since the start of the championship, because the Indy 500 used to be a part of the uh, of the Formula One calendar. But the United States Grand Prix has existed since the late 50s, and they've always had a presence in America. And for whatever reason, despite all of this time, they haven't been able to crack the market. It just hasn't happened. And, you know, it's definitely very appealing from Formula One's perspective to get a real a real place within that market because everything's kind of set up and all ready to go. We know that the Americans have an appetite for motorsport because we can see it in the likes of NASCAR particularly, but also IndyCar as well. I mean, the infrastructure in terms of the circuits, it's not as if anything needs to be built. There are... As Sam said, plenty of circuits already raring to go that are great top-of-the-class circuits that we can use. In terms of the television companies, in terms of sponsorship, everything is ready to go for Formula One in the United States. But for whatever reason, it's just never worked. And for me, before they can before they can solve, they, they need to work out what it is they're trying to solve because they've tried this before. They need to work out why they haven't cracked it in the last 50 years to work out how to crack it now. Ultimately, you know, they've been all over the over the country. You know, Watkins Glen, they were there for a very long time. There was a, a period in time where they would consistently have two races in the US where they'd have one race at Watkins Glen, um, of course, in New York State, and then one in California, Long Beach. So they covered both sort of parts of the parts of the country when they did that. They've been to Phoenix, they've been to Dallas, they've been to Detroit. They've been to Indianapolis, as we've already said. Um, they're in Texas now. So they've been all over the country and it still hasn't worked. Why? If you can answer that, then maybe you can start to make some progress here with this latest effort. Um, you know, I've. It, it, it's tough. I, there are other markets around the world that, that maybe would be more appealing. You know, they've been trying with China for, for 15 years. Guan Yu Zhou is potentially on the cusp of Formula One. Um, they've tried with India, which was relatively unsuccessful, only went there for a few years. So I definitely wouldn't be opposed to it. F1 do seem to have a habit of shooting themselves in the foot when it comes to the US. You've already referenced uh, the Indianapolis debacle of 2005 and, uh, you know, Caesars Palace. That happened, which was a shame. (laughs) So they need to stop shooting themselves in the foot. But yeah, sure. Let's give a second race a go. I think Indianapolis for me would be where I would want to go. But arguably a street race would be a bit more inclusive of the people that live within the city and might create more of a buzz than, than a circuit would uh, than a sort of specifically designed circuit would so uh, i'm up for both though uh, before we go on to the next topic sam if you wouldn't mind uh, a quick word from our sponsors manscaped this is how I know that me and America have a lot in common, right? Kings of marketing. That's why we oh, always hand God. it over to me. Oh, God. So, folks, you saw last season that Valtteri Bossas made the lawnmower so successful. He trimmed the grasses of Austria. Well, you know what, there'll be listeners. I want you to trim the grasses of yourselves in your man gardens. Um, and we have been very kindly sponsored by Manscaped. Uh, yes, the shaving, lovely 
It's for your balls. Throw balls to the walls. We're getting a morning today. Essentially, it's to make your down bits look pretty. Um, and to keep you healthy while you're going through a rather difficult period on this earth that we're all going through. So do yourself a favour. Hang over to the website, manscaped.com. Use the code LATE20 for 20% off any order. And it helps out the channel big time. We get 10 orders with that code. They will invest into the company a little bit. Give us a bit of a paid deal instead of just a, a code, which is really nice. And you do a massive job helping us out. So big love. Very kind of them and you. Um, have a little look. If you like it, give it a go. If you don't, enjoy your big garden. Some people like one. If you don't like it, you didn't hear from us. <laughs> Honestly, I mean, I've said this before. I know what you're going to talk about, Sam, but the way in which you're going to get there, I can never predict. I, I'll take that as a compliment, you know. Ben. I, I mean, I, I, I don't mean it as an insult. I, <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> you're talking about a guy who literally tweeted on our own account less than 30 minutes ago hashtag bulls so yeah I don't know what hashtag bulls this is fair need to to work on getting you locked out of that account anyway (laughs) that's a good reminder (laughs) (laughs) we will now move on to our third topic which is looking at Lando Norris and his teammate Daniel Ricciardo for the 2021 season so Lando Norris has said um, that Ricciardo isn't necessarily a big step up on Carlos Sainz I don't think this was meant to be uh, a horrible comment in any way but he kind of referenced how uh, both Carlos Sainz and Daniel Ricciardo had their own strengths and weaknesses and he doesn't necessarily think Ricciardo joining the team is a massive step up from what he had in his teammate for the last two years so Sam would you agree with this or not? Carlos Sainz is a really, really, really good racing driver. I have a lot of time for Carlos Sainz. I think he is one of those people where people like Lewis Hamilton coming in are already tip-top, right? They're always so good. And Lewis Hamilton has improved. Like, we see a different Lewis Hamilton now than what we saw back in 2007. He's got more hair for a start. But Carlos Sainz came in, and he was was good, right? Carlos Sainz was good. Carlos Sainz then kind of tried to move up to Red Bull, followed the Stappen, it never really happened. He went to Renault and his career plateaued a little bit. He, he didn't get that leg up that I think he wanted. And I think a few people lost a bit of spirit with Carlos Sainz. They didn't have the same respect for him that they once did. And then he moved over to that McLaren drive and he unleashed the, uh, I'm going to say it again, the bull, the Spanish bull inside of him. He really was able to, you know, to, to kick it up a notch. And I think he led that team. So... I think Lando's got a point when he says that Carlos Sainz and Daniel Ricciardo aren't too different. You know, that Ricciardo is not too much of a step up from Sainz. I understand why he's saying that. I don't agree, though. Carlos Sainz, to me, is still very premature in his career. He's still very early on. He's still got a lot of developing to do. And I think in four or five years' time, don't get me wrong, there's every chance that Carlos Sainz might have a few race wins under his belt, and he could be at the same level as Daniel Ricciardo. For me... Daniel Ricciardo is still one of the best drivers that we have seen in the last 10 years in Formula 1. And we've got multiple world champions going through that list. We've got more race winners than him in that list. And I think he's very much up there and can really hold his own. I think what he brings to a team is quite unique. It's quite magnanimous. Said that without stuttering. Um, you know, he genuinely has got an aura about him that I think really helps teams. And after two years at Renault, there was a boost. There was an improvement. Did Carlos Sainz do that? No, he didn't. Could Carlos Sainz take the move from Toro Rosso up to Red Bull? No, he couldn't. There's a reason why Carlos Sainz has not had the same results at almost exactly the same teams that Daniel Ricciardo has had. Daniel Ricciardo is a step above. He is a real class act. And I do think that Lando Norris is trying to show that he's a bit big for his boots. He's trying to show that he can deliver a performance, and he can. 
But Ricardo is that proven race winner. He can hold on to a car when it's struggling. He can pull a car up when it's not as good as it needs to be. He could beat world champions when he needs to do so. Ricardo is genuinely a great driver. Um, and I think he's going to bring some real excellence to McLaren. I think Lando Norris needs to not underestimate Ricardo, even though it's his first season. Ricardo is going to bring it. Ricardo is brimming with confidence. And I think it's going to be really fun to watch. So I think that Ricardo is a step up from science. I'm not saying that science can't get there at some point in the future, but I do think right now, Ricardo is the better driver. Very good. And I think probably a good time to mention now that with Norris versus Ricardo, that debate that will form part of next week's main topic, Teammate Wars, the fifth instalment, would you believe it, is wow. back. What? So, yeah, unbelievable. So, fifth instalment of Teammate Wars next time out. We'll be discussing all 10 teams. We'll be looking at them all um, and saying which of the two drivers will finish ahead in terms of points. So it's interesting. It's a bit of a rubber match because, you know, Sam, he's got he's got two wins under his belt. I've got two wins under my belt. Harry will be there as well. It, 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 it's going to be... <laughs> that is so late-breaking, isn't it? Sam and Ben getting things right. Harry's just there for the laughs. Good time. <laughs> I am pretty certain this is your year, Harry. Um, oh, but, yeah. I'm not. It's the biggest run of 2021 so far. Uh, yeah, so Teammate Wars will be up next week. So, um, Ricardo, do you think he's a, a step up from signs? Um, it, is acor- it isn't according to Lando Norris, is it according to you, Harry? <laughs> Who knows what I think. Um, <laughs> yeah, I... I inclined to agree with with Norris I don't uh, uh, he is a step up I think that's um yeah he he is a step up from science he's a he's a proven race winner he steps on the podium more times than science has he has that experience but you know in terms of raw speed science and Ricardo I, I don't think there's much between them if we're being honest um over the course of the season I'd obviously I think I placed my place my money on Danny Rick but um I can see what what Norris is trying to say there. I think, in terms of coming into the team, Ricardo is still new to the team. It's kind of Norris's team now. Um, I don't think it's going to be a huge, huge issue for Norris. I don't think he's going to see it as any kind of a different battle. If it was, if it was a world champion walking into the team, if it was Hamilton or you know even maybe Vettel or. I know he's not a champion, but maybe Verstappen. Um, maybe he'd see it differently. But I can understand his thinking here. I think. Um, they're, they're pretty, on paper, in terms of raw speed, they're probably very evenly paced. I think where, um, I think signs, signs uh, versus Ricardo, I think where Ricardo probably will uh, beat Norris more is probably on Sunday. I think, you know, Norris has good Sundays. He perhaps sometimes struggled in quality, but he, he has good Sundays, as did signs. But I think Ricardo is, um, he's mega on a Sunday afternoon. So, um, yeah, maybe that maybe there that he'll Norris will struggle against him, but um, yeah, I don't think there'll be a huge amount between them. But I know nothing, so Ricardo will probably smash him. I, I think here that Lando Norris, perhaps unknowingly, has actually put quite a bit of pressure on himself because he against Carlos Sainz, he was very competitive last year. Carlos Sainz just about won the duel between the two of them, but. You know, it, it was basically 50-50 between them last year. And by saying that Ricardo is not a massive step up, he's almost saying that really he should do as well against Ricardo as he did against Sainz. So if he's not matching with Ricardo or 
just losing to Ricardo, then suddenly his his statement is like, well, you, you you said at the beginning of the year he's not a massive step up, so why are you losing to him? So I think he's actually, I think unknowingly, put a little bit of pressure on himself there. And there is the other factor as well, that Norris and Sainz join the team at the same time. Norris is the established McLaren driver here, so that actually eases the pressure on Ricardo slightly and, again, puts a bit more pressure on Lando Norris. I, I'm largely along the same line of thinking here, as, as you've already said, in that I, I don't think he's correct here. I, I think Daniel Ricciardo is a step up from Carlos Sainz. And that's more of a compliment towards Ricardo than it is an insult towards Sainz, because Sainz is a very good driver and he's shown that over the last few years. But what Daniel Ricardo has accomplished in his career, in terms of performance and in terms of the actual achievement at the end of that, it, it supersedes anything that Sainz has done. Uh, and it's understandable considering the teams that Ricardo has driven for. But yeah, I, I think Ricardo is definitely one tier up from where Carlos Sainz is if you were going to sort of rank the drivers. Bear in mind that Ricardo, and I know that Carlos Sainz did have quite a bit of bad luck in his opening year against Max Verstappen, but there are shared teammates here. Ricardo did a pretty good job against Max Verstappen. I don't think there was anything in it in the three years. I think the points tally is almost identical from when Ricardo and Verstappen were teammates. Sainz did lose to Verstappen quite comfortably. Again, there was luck in that, but that remains. They both went to Renault and they both faced Nico Hülkenberg. One did better than the other. You know, Ricardo did a brilliant job in that sort of first instance. Um, and signs signs lost to Hulkenberg straight up. So you've got a shared teammate there where one won and one didn't. Uh, and then, there, I mean, we bring this up regularly, but Ricardo managed to beat Sebastian Vettel after Sebastian Vettel won four straight championships. That's ridiculously impressive. And Carlos Sainz has never done anything anywhere near that calibre. Uh, and again, that's not meant as an insult. That's meant as a compliment to say how amazing of an achievement that was for Daniel Ricciardo in 2014. So he has got a few years on Ricciardo and yeah, that's definitely something to play here. But science is, science is great, but Ricciardo's elite. All right, main event time. I, I know you've been absolutely desperate to get to this point, which is F1 on the clock. Tick tock, tick tock. Seth won on the clock. So we've decided to bring another game into the mix. F1 on the clock. So here is the concept. It is, as always, Sam versus Harry. You will get one minute to answer as many questions as you can correctly about Formula One. Covers absolutely anything and everything. Um, There are 15 questions you've got each. So if you do get through them all, that's the max amount you can have. But... That would be pretty impressive to get through them all. Um, you How can... do you expect us to get 15 in a minute? Well, I don't, but I had to, <laughs> just in case you actually do get them, that I won't answer, ask anymore, surprisingly. Okay. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, you can pass at any time. So if you don't like the question, just pass and we'll move on to the next one. Set A or set B, Harry, do you want to go first? Set B. Oh, he's gone for set B. A maximum of uh, 15 questions for you, Harry. You'll have one minute 
to answer as many correctly as you can. Just going to get the old clock up. Don't say that incorrectly. Yeah, thank God you said that I was right. Very, hey, I was very, very careful about that. And the good He's thing just too. pulling up the old Big Bang. <laughs> <laughs> very good. So, Harry, one minute on the clock. Your time starts now. Who was the first British F1 champion? Uh, uh, um, oh my god, <laughs> the pressure! Who was the first British? <laughs> my no. Oh god, Mike Hawthorne. Correct. Who won the last Australian Grand Prix? What, twenty nineteen? The last one. Yeah. Uh, uh, um, Polish man Bottas. Yes. In what year did John Alesi win his one and only Grand Prix? 1995. Correct. For which team did Jackie Stewart win his third world title? Tyrrell. Correct. Who partnered Marcus Ericsson at Sauber in 2016? Felipe Nazar. Correct. Who finished third in the 2004 F1 Championship behind Schumacher and Barrichello? Uh, Button. Correct. In what year did Martin Brundle first commentate on an F1 race for ITV? 1997. Correct. Which team did Felipe Massa, so this will be your last question, which team did Felipe Massa first race for in 2002? Uh, Sauber. Sauber is correct. So you were able to answer every single question you got to correctly. So eight out of eight. I'm going to make an absolute (laughs) fall off. Thanks. Thanks, How John did you Humphreys. get 1997 for... That was impressive. Yeah. I got about three of them, right? That's what, maybe your tactic here is to get through them get through them quicker. Maybe if you, you know... Maybe my tactic is to be given the child's version of this list. <laughs> <laughs> Which driver that rhymes with Weichel Grugracker won the championship? <laughs> Fangio! <laughs> No, it was actually Wolfgang von Trips. Um, oh, never mind. Damn. All right. So, same thing. You've got a target of eight, Sam. Um, yeah. One minute on the clock. Your time. Just, just for starters, I'd be happy to get one. That is. Hey, if you get one, we'll, we'll be we'll be celebrating. Come on, your, man. your time starts now. Where did Daniel Ricciardo start his F1 career? HRT. Correct. Fernando Alonso beat who eighteen nil in qualifying in two thousand and eight. Stoffel van Dorn. No, too late. I misread the it question. Was Nelson Piquet Jr. Who won the 1984 F1 Championship? Oh, um, Prost. No, it wasn't Prost. Nicky Lauda. Oh. I was going to say Lauda as well. Who, the so quick. Who is number 16 <laughs> on the F1 grid? Uh, oh, God. Uh, Christ. Why am I trying to run it through in my mind? You can pass it if you want. I don't want to pass it. I'm going to get it wrong anyway. Um, God, I don't know. <laughs> you wasted so much time. Latifi. <laughs> it's Charles Leclerc, who finished third behind Michael Schumacher and Kimi Raikkonen in the 2003 F1 Championship. Mr. Chunky. It is Mr. Chunky, one Pablo Montoya. And the last question, at which track did Lewis Hamilton take his first F1 victory? Um. Oh, I know this as well. God damn it! Uh, I guess Silverstone. It was 
Canada circuit Gilles Villeneuve. No, I knew that as well. What an embarrassment. I hate myself. I quit leg breaking. <laughs> I mean, you shouldn't have <laughs> so, spent half a minute on the, the, the yeah. car number <laughs> six. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I feel like that was your major undoing there, Sam, was yeah. probably spending a bit too much time on that question. Um, you got oh. two right, so it means that, Harry, you've won this one. Well done, sir. Oh. Two was... Uh, uh, no, double what I wanted, so... And, <laughs> hey, I mean, the good news is you two were so slow at answering them, I've basically got my questions for the next time we do this, so... You know what? <laughs> I, can't, I can't wait. I can't wait. I'm going to bring other things to this podcast. You, you you bring a lot, Sam. You bring Offending a lot. Americans. Exactly. I can't do that anywhere near as well as you can. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's it for F1 on the clock. If you wouldn't mind playing the jingle. Tick tock, tick tock. F1 on the clock. And that's going to do it for this episode. As we referenced earlier, next week is Teammate Wars. So get ready for that one. Until then, Sam, if you wouldn't mind getting us out of here. Folks, it's been a bit hectic. We've had some good chat. Let us know what you think over on Twitter. Or jump over to YouTube, of course. New videos come out all the time. Because talk to us about Formula One and racing and all things in cars. We always love to hear your thoughts and feelings about these things. Um, in the meantime, go check out Manscaped to use our code LATE20. And I'll be saying the same. I've been Ben Hawking. I've been dosed to the wall. I remember. <laughs> Keep breaking late. Sports Social Podcast Network.